Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hey there, I am Tracy Otsuka, and welcome to episode 17 of ADHD for Smartass Women. This week's topic is the 10 things that I wish I would have been told about ADHD when I was first diagnosed. Look, I really wish I would have known that I had ADHD as a teenager. I wish I would have known what it was, how it showed up in my day-to-day life. It could have explained so much, you know, why I was the way I was, why I saw the world the way I did. And whereas a lot of ADHD women, I think, beat themselves up about the way they are, I had a much more arrogant strategy. You know, I'm right, they're wrong, and I wouldn't want to be like them anyway. (laughs) And I have to say, it did work for me. And I've always felt this way. I've always felt that I knew there was something different about me. I didn't know what it was, but for the most part, I liked that I was different. That said, I did often wonder, why did I do that? And why am I the way I am? And when I was finally diagnosed late in life, eight months after my son, the first thing I did in true ADHD fashion was to research and hyperfocus and read and look for everything that I could find out on the topic of ADHD and specifically ADHD women. And like any learning, you know, learning goes in waves, right? I started out reading John Brady and Edward Hallowell's book, Driven to Distraction, but I had to read it twice because the first time I was reading it, it was for my son. And because our symptoms were so different, I liked school. I found it challenging. He, on the other hand, finds it completely boring. And because his symptoms were so typical of the ADHD profile, that's really what I was looking for. And so I didn't see myself at all in Hallowell and Rady's descriptions. Now, the second time I read his book, and when I say read, I meant I read, in air quotes, the audiobook, something just sort of clicked. And I think it was, although I'm not 100% sure, and I wish I could remember what it was specifically in that Driven Distraction book that really made me think that, oh my gosh, this is what I have. But I think what it was is that Hallowell and Rady mentioned that drivenness was a form of hyperactivity. That really resonated with me because I have always felt so much more driven 
in the things that interest me than most people. Regardless, I also think that what allowed me to be open to even receiving this information was the fact that Hallowell and Rady come at ADHD from a much more strength-based perspective rather than a disorder perspective. So from Hallowell and Rady, I went on to study Russell Barkley's writings on ADHD. And he really made me understand what was going on from an executive functioning and emotional perspective. But I really struggled with the pathology of it all. You know, how he sees ADHD as a disease disorder. And I just don't. I see it as a difference in brain wiring. And I know that if I had started out studying Russell Barclay's theories, I would have never been able to see myself in them at all. And I probably would still not know that I have ADHD. Look, I completely get that there are some pesky ADHD symptoms, right? I am time blind. I am always late no matter how hard I try. I always think I can get so much more done than I actually can, so I'm not great at planning. I would consider myself a poor planning unless I'm forced to plan, right? I resist structure, which I need more than anyone. I can't ever seem to see an Oscar-nominated movie because they're typically sad and depressing, and I can't handle that because it creates negative emotion, and that can literally last for a week where that's all I'm thinking of, and I just can't, I can't shake it. And I know that when I don't want to do something, it requires Herculean effort to get me started. But then once I start, I can't stop. You know, there are a lot more symptoms of ADHD that I would love to leave behind, but we don't really have time for that. And that is not really what this podcast is about. On the flip side, though, there are so many positives to my ADHD and our ADHD that I wouldn't trade for the world. I know few people with my exuberance, energy, and optimism. You know, I'm a make lemonade out of lemons kind of person. And I know that not all of you have this, but what I have noticed about all ADHD women is this underlying unwillingness to give up. This knowledge that despite the amount of muck that we have to wade through every day, we know that there is something really unique and special about us. We keep getting up no matter how many times we're knocked down. I'm also dogged with determination when I'm interested. You know, that drivenness that I possess that I only see in other ADHD women. I read people like a book. I know their motivations and their agendas often before they know them themselves. I'm nothing if not authentic. You know my agenda and motivations the minute you meet me because they're out there where everyone can see them, whether that's good or bad. And if they're not, I feel like I'm being phony. There are so many more positives. And the reality of it is I wouldn't give my ADHD up for anything because of these positives. But we rarely hear the positives talked about. And it took me a while to find the ADHD experts who did talk about them. And I'm digressing all over the place. But my point is simply that when we're struggling to understand something new about anything, but especially about ourselves, it's like a big puzzle. And we start out by building a base of knowledge. And then from there, we add to it, right? And while we're adding to it, we're also subtracting from what we thought to be true. And I think that what makes ADHD especially difficult is that it can look so different depending on who we are, right? Our brains are all wired differently. So I think you need to figure out what your ADHD looks like for you and what works for you. Just because it works for me doesn't mean anything for you. 
other than it's a place to start. It's new information. And so what I wanted to do was give you today, what are the 10 things that I wish I had known immediately upon diagnosis? And I'm going to tell you, they're not in any special order except for, well, maybe the last one is, but it would have just saved me literally four years of research if someone like the doctor who diagnosed me would have sat me down and said, okay, these are the 10 things that you should consider. Number one, and I've already just talked about this, ADHD is not a disorder, it's a difference. Stop focusing on everything that isn't working and start paying attention to what is. Because in any brain, but especially our brains, what we focus on just gets bigger. So instead of focusing on everything that's wrong, start asking yourself, you know what? What's working? What happened today that was a really good thing? And start from there. Number two, we don't have a deficit of attention. We have a surplus of attention. There are so many things that we're interested in, right? We are bright, shiny object people. We love things that are new, that are novel, that are different. That's what attracts us. I don't know who it is that said this, but I so resonate with this quote, that creativity is basically impulsivity gone right. We are creative because we're nonlinear thinkers who have so many ideas, which often means that sometimes we get stuck because we don't know which of those many ideas that we have to choose and run with. That's exactly why I created Cortography, because I was trying to figure that out for myself. I was interested in so much. So which of the many things that I was interested in should I pursue? Number three, ADHD, it's not a behavioral disorder. Self-control is not learned. It is part of our neurobiological gifts. And you can look at podcast episode number two, all about kids, to get more information about that. But the long and short of it is, I always thought that the fact that my daughter could sit in her room for five-hour shots, work on her homework, I never asked her, what is on your schedule? What do you need to get done? She just went in her room and knew what to do and banged out five hours of homework. And I always thought that that had to do with, you know, my husband and I, like our great parenting, right? And it didn't. And I learned that because we raised my son the exact same way, but he could not go into his room and focus for more than 20 minutes. My son, Marcus, he just doesn't do homework. But what I will tell you is when he's learning, he's learning. He's not memorizing. So he can actually write five paragraphs on what he just learned, whereas my daughter is much more apt to have to go back into her room or into a library and really study and memorize what it is that she needs to learn. They just learn differently. Motivation is also biological. And for us, especially those of us with ADHD, emotion is tied to motivation. So when we have positive emotion, I'm going to go into this a little bit more later, when we have positive emotion around something, that further motivates us to keep going. So ADHD, it's not a moral failing or a character flaw. We are literally born the way we are. If we have tons of self-control and can lock ourselves in our room and you know do our homework, do everything that we're told to do, that is a neurobiological trait. It is not a character flaw. Number four. 
Our ADHD brains are wired for interest and novelty, not importance. It doesn't matter to you what your parents, your teachers, your boss, your spouse, your boyfriend, society thinks is important. No, it matters what you think is important. And when we focus on what we're interested in, we can usually pop into hyperfocus. And when we're able to hyperfocus, there is no stopping us because we will work harder than anyone and become more expert in our area of interest than even the neurotypical brain person ever could. This is exactly where we can compete and we can dominate. But first, you need to find a positive interest. Look, interest is anything that stimulates the cerebral cortex. It can be positive or it can be negative. You know, you can be spending hours in front of video games or at the bar or at a racetrack, but I can guarantee you that you're not going to feel good about yourself after. Your charge is to find a positive interest because interest in our brains elicits emotion, but we're not looking for any old emotion. We want positive emotion. When we're focused on a positive interest, you feel really good about yourself. You feel proud that you accomplished whatever it was that you set out to accomplish. And that triggers motivation. And it triggers motivation because first it triggers dopamine. In the ADHD brain especially, emotion is tied to motivation. If you're ruminating and you're stuck in this cycle of chastising yourself in your head about all the things that you've done wrong, that's a negative emotion. That's not going to do anything for you, but keep you right there on your couch. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to test this. Test what I'm telling you here. I want you to make a list of three simple things that you want to accomplish for today. They're going to be simple, but they're going to be things that have been on your list for a while. And you're just frustrated because every time you look at your list, there they are, and you haven't finished them. Okay? I want you to sit down, and I want you to do the first one. And I want you to ask yourself, how do you feel? Likely, you're going to feel proud of yourself. You're going to check it off, and that always feels good. Okay? So then I want you to do number two on your list. And then I want you to ask yourself, how do you feel now? How does that one feel when you can check it off your list? And I bet you anything, you are going to feel like, oh, I don't know, I can do this. You're going to feel even prouder of yourself, and you're going to check that off your list. Now, you're going to do number three. And again, you're going to ask, how do you feel? And likely, you are going to feel more motivated to do even more. I don't know if you've noticed this, but for example, if you go into your closet and you go clean your closet. And you feel so good when you're done with your closet that often it motivates you to come into the kitchen, right? And to start going through the junk drawer and to start going through the pantry and to start organizing the pots and pans. Literally, the positive emotion that you feel from getting that closet done motivates you to do even more. Now, by getting through your list of three that you're going to do today, again, You've generated positive emotion by doing. And so what you're doing is you're hacking your own brain here. You're increasing your own dopamine. And you're realizing that you have control over this. And it, in turn, motivates you to want to do more. That is exactly how you build a successful day, week, and month. And guess what? You're in control of all of it. Okay, number five on our list of the things that I wish someone had told me when I was diagnosed with ADHD. Our brains are set up to think, not remember. And 
sorry for repeating this word again, but you need to remember this because when we see that we have working memory challenges, we start beating ourselves up and we start thinking we should be remembering these things. Everyone else remembers these things. And you know what? That is patently not true. And then it gets even worse, right? Because we start assuming that if anyone made a mistake, it's us. I was doing exactly this when it came to scheduling and calendaring, you know, I don't know, making doctor's office appointments and, you know, other appointments for my kids and hairstyle appointments and, you know, whatever it is that I needed to schedule into my calendar and where I needed to be. And I started to feel on edge. Like every time I showed up, I had the sense that, oh my gosh, it was the wrong day or it was the wrong time. And finally, I heard that comment from a productivity expert that our brains are set up to think, not remember. And so what I started to do was I started to track. And what I realized was that 10% of the time, there was a mix-up when I showed up. But only 20% of the time was that mix-up my fault, meaning it was on the wrong day, or it was the wrong time, or I was in the wrong office. Most of the time, it was not my fault. But I was copping to things that had nothing to do with me. I was just right away jumping to, oh, well, if there's a mistake, it's me. It's my brain. When I first heard that comment from that productivity coach, though, I really started paying attention and watching what was happening to other non-ADHD people as well. And I realized they were struggling with all of the same things that I was struggling with. You know, we have a lot going on today with our activities and our events and keeping up on all the private messages that we get from all these, you know, dozens of applications. And what I realized is it's happening to everyone. We were never required to remember all these things and to stay on top of all these things. It has literally gotten markedly worse in the last 10 years. So it's not just me. Sure, at times, there are things that I miss, but most of the time, it is not me. Number six, (laughs) you're going to love this one. You need structure. Stop resisting it. Look. I am totally spontaneous. I'm creative. I'm all about, you know, the imagination. And I love to just kind of go by the flow, right? Go by the seat of my pants. The minute I started implementing and following the structure that I put into my life, let me tell you what happened. My anxiety eased to a huge degree. And my focus and my ability to get things done, it literally skyrocketed. And I was so much happier because I felt so much more in control. I felt smarter. I felt more organized. I felt more focused, more efficient. And guess what? I also felt more creative because I wasn't always angsting about all these other things that I thought that I was missing, right? That were falling out. So what did I do? I chose simple, and I think that is really key here. I found a one-page weekly calendar to-do planner from Simple Systems for Creative Minds. I'll pop the link in, in the show notes, and I started to follow it. Because it was one page, and it had my calendar, it had my big to-dos, and then it had a place to list other you know, smaller to-dos, I actually did it. I also started implementing body double strategies. We have a whole podcast on this. You can go back to our podcast and and search for it. I also bought, I can't believe I did this because I just the thought of it made me ill. I bought an Apple Watch. And what I did with that Apple Watch is I offloaded my working memory. 
I started using it as a timer, as a reminder, as an alarm. And what that meant is I was no longer burning food because I had forgotten that I had something in the oven and I was no longer having to wash my clothes and my family's clothes three times before I was able to get it into the dryer. And just simple things like that made me feel like I was so much more in control. I was also able to set, you know, an alarm. So when I needed to be somewhere, I could remind myself, leave now. It forced me to start backwards planning my schedule rather than just looking at my calendar and saying, okay, I have an appointment at one o'clock. And that was it, right? I never really knew when I was supposed to leave. And I know that sounds ridiculous for someone who doesn't have ADHD, but for those of you out there who have ADHD, you get what I'm talking about. That Apple Watch really helped to organize me. And it's very simple. And that was my theory. I was going to create the structure. I was going to stop resisting it, but it had to be simple so that I would do it. Number seven, we have trouble starting. But once we start, we likely can't stop. So my goal was to figure out how can I actually start? What I did was, again, I implemented body double sessions, whether it was going to a coffee shop so that I would feel more focused and I could actually start what I needed to work on, whether it was setting something up with my husband where we were both working in the same room, or a virtual body double setup where I would meet friends online And we do have this in our Facebook group, it's free, where I would meet friends virtually online and we would get our work done. The other thing that really helped me to start was the Pomodoro method. And there are a bunch of applications online that you can use to implement the Pomodoro method. But really what it is, is you just start and you agree to 25 minutes. So let's say there's something I just really don't want to do. What I do is I sit myself down and I say, you know what? All you have to do is 25 minutes. All you have to do is start. And so I will just start. And whereas initially I started with an application on my phone, I have since bought a Datex Cube. And you all have probably heard of it. And if you're in our Facebook group, you've seen it, right? I use it all the time. And it's basically a wooden cube and it has five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and 25 minutes on it. And so all I have to do is just turn that cube onto the 25 minute section and it automatically starts timing me for 25 minutes. So the deal is I get out of my head. I know that I do not want to start. I do not want to do what it is that I need to do, but I get into my body and physically I just turn that cube over. I shut down my lizard brain that has all the excuses of why I can't and shouldn't do this. Turn the cube on its end, start my 25 minute segment. And the deal with myself is if I want to stop after 25 minutes, I can stop. Well, the truth is I have never wanted to stop. So once I start, I don't stop. And I know that about myself. And so just understanding how my brain works made such a difference with respect to procrastination. And it made it so much easier for me to just start. The thing is, you've got to figure out for your brain, when you have trouble starting, what will help you start? Number eight. Interpersonal intuition is an ADHD trait, and you need to start to trust it. Most of us with ADHD know that we have it. This ability to pick up clues about relationships, a heightened capacity for empathy and character judgment. You know, you can read people like a book. You understand their motivations and agendas, and often you know what's going on with them before they even know it themselves. 
interpersonal intuition, it also helps you to see the best in people, who they could be, who they're meant to be, what their gifts are. It's why so many of us with ADHD end up in some form of, we, we become therapists. Interpersonal intuition is clearly also related to emotional intelligence. And in my experience, the women who said that they don't have this trait usually admit that it's because it's been discounted for so long that they don't trust or recognize it. You know, you can imagine if you're a small child and you're making all these connections and then you blurt them out, you know, and your parents or, you know, your relatives or whomever you're around, your teachers are appalled by it you would stop to do it, right? You would stop doing it. You would stop trusting that interpersonal intuition. You know, I've also been told by some women that have ADHD that they believe that they're also on the autism spectrum. And so they're terrible at reading other people. We did a whole podcast last week on ADHD and intuition. And based on a number of our traits, it makes sense that we would have strong interpersonal intuition, meaning those of us with ADHD would have strong interpersonal intuition. And it's because our brains focus on the connections and the relationships between things more than on specific bits of information. So anyway, if you want more information on ADHD and intuition, go to last week's podcast. Okay, so now we are at number nine, and this is a big one. At least it was a big one for me. Medication might not work. In fact, it doesn't work for 20% of us. For another 10% of us, the side effects from the medication are so bad that it's not worth it. So 30% of us get no benefit from medication. And sadly, when you're diagnosed and you go into your doctor's office, more often than not, the only thing they do is they hand you a prescription for Adderall or Ritalin. Now, I'm not sure the fact that medication didn't work for me is a bad thing. It also didn't work for my son. It's really forced us to find all kinds of other alternatives that might work. Now, for me, the best alternative is exercise. You've heard me say many times that the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I work out. That jumpstarts the norepinephrine, the dopamine in my brain, and gets me going. And then I know I usually have about two, two and a half hours of focused attention. Now, John Rady says, John Rady wrote, co-wrote Driven to Distraction, but he also wrote Spark, which is all about exercise in the brain, not just for ADHD. It's about exercise and how, you know, we learn and neuroplasticity and how important it is to our brain. Anyway, his studies show that exercise works as well as a dose of Ritalin and a dose of Adderall for our ADHD brains. What else works? Nature could possibly work for you. Cognitive behavioral therapy, metacognition. Doing something that you love, what you're interested in. Sometimes I feel like medication kind of helps us to continue trying to fit in. You know, then again, for some of us, I have literally seen medication change someone's life for the better, like completely drastically change it. So I'm not against it. Bottom line, we're all different and you are the only expert on you, period. Number 10, and this is probably the biggest out of all of them, which is why I left it for the end. Remember I said they were in no specific water, but this one is. Stop trying to fit in. You know, we have tried for so long to fit in by hiding who we really are, by masking over our differences, by focusing on our weaknesses so we can be like everyone else. And that's where we've gotten it all wrong. We will never fit in. But the way we think, how could we fit in? And you know why we will never fit in? Because we were not meant to fit in. 
We are meant to stand out. We are built to lead in something, and that will in turn attract our people because if we're willing to lead, our people will know that we're their people. And that really is your mission, to discover where you can lead, where you can stand out, because that is not only going to change your life, it is also going to serve to change the world. That's just how brilliant you are. So that's what I have for this week. As always, you have been listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you've been listening to me for a while, I would really appreciate a review. And it's not hard to do. You don't even have to write anything. If you're on the iTunes podcast platform, just scroll down to the bottom and click on the stars. That's all you have to do. If you'd like to know more about me, our patent-pending cartography system that teaches you how to figure out which of the many interests that you have is the one that you should pursue, or if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and click on podcast in the navigation bar. There, you're going to see a microphone to your right where you can leave me an audio message. You can also reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.